Live from the Jacob Media Studios, it's Serving Our Nation with Dr. Paul McCullough on News Talk 1400 WOND. Be inspired, learn and understand the power of becoming a servant leader and transform your life while serving our nation. Meet those who have served our country. Learn about prosperity and overcome sickness, poverty and despair. Serving Our Nation begins right now. Good afternoon and welcome to episode 51 of Serving Our Nation. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Paul McCullough, and if today is your first time tuning into the program, I want to share with you the heart behind Serving Our Nation. This is a program that is focused on encouraging people to become servant leaders, and my only goal is to offer you hope and encouragement through stories each week of people that have dedicated their lives to this idea of living as a servant leader and honoring God. Because what I know to be true is that when you do that, blessings will follow as a natural byproduct of that. Because all of us are ministers of one kind or another. Each person, regardless of your background, your heritage, anything at all like that, every person in the world has been given special gifts by God. And because of that, it is our obligation, our responsibility, that when we see a need in the world around us, we have to fill that need to the best of our ability. Because serving is for every person in all walks of life. And we've seen that lived out over the last year from people in so many different areas. The military, business, leaders of faith, leaders in community, and simply people that want to serve their family. And last week in episode 50, if you missed it, I had an opportunity to speak with Mr. James Corbett. So James is not only the founder of Project Refit and Impact, but he's also the founder of a company called JC Innovative Solutions. And actually, James helped me to redesign my website. And so I'd encourage you to not only go back and listen to episode 50, because his story is a really powerful one talking about being a leader of character and what he's doing for veterans and first responders through Project Refit and Impact. But I'd also encourage you to go to the website and check out all of the new designs on the website, especially the Serving Our Nation page and the episodes page because James is responsible for all of that. Really want to thank James for his hard work and I'd encourage you, if you're looking for somebody to help you with your own website, James is the guy to go to. But having said that, for today's show, just a little bit about me. I have a unique opportunity of serving on the board for another organization called Taking the Hill PAC, Political Election Committee. And through that, there was an event maybe a month or six weeks ago. And you know, it's a good event where you get to meet and network with a lot of people that want to help veterans get elected in the federal space. And so through that uh, particular evening, I met an individual named Mike Levine. And so Mike is a retired sergeant major, and I have the great privilege of having him as a guest on the show today. Mike has a really interesting story. He's been over 20 years in the military, and he has a lot of experience in communications, public relations, journalism, all things of that nature. Really excited to have him on the show today. So we come back from the break. I'll be joined by Mr. Mike Levine. Stay with us. We'll be right back.
You're listening to Serving Our Nation with Dr. Paul McCullough, a Jacob Media Production. And welcome back to Serving Our Nation. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Paul McCullough, and I'm joined here today by Mr. Mike Levine. Mike, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to be on the program here today. Hey, such a huge pleasure, Paul. Thanks for having me. Mike, we have such uh, a lot of things in common, and chief of which is your military service. So I'd, I'd like to start the conversation there, if that's okay with you. I'm really sure. curious why you decided to join the military and why in particular our beloved Army? Well, I had a challenging upbringing. I had wonderful parents who uh, wanted the best for me. And uh, uh, unfortunately, uh, in the small upstate New York town that uh, I was born and raised in, it's it's kind of rough uh, getting a fresh start when you're a screw up in the fifth grade and they talk about you in the sixth grade. And then you screw up in the sixth grade and they talk about you in the seventh grade. <laughs> so not to mention my older brother was Mr. Perfect. So that didn't help matters uh, yeah. much either. But I had the opportunity to attend a, uh, a private military uh, school uh, downstate, as they say, in upstate. Uh, a place called uh, New York Military Academy in Cornwall and Hudson, New York. And so um, long story short, uh, my college money went to high school. <laughs> <laughs> so when the time came to start looking for places to go, every every place that accepted me had a had a pretty uh, had a pretty hefty bill associated with it. And um, thankfully, I was blessed with enough self-awareness at that age to say that, you know, my parents had had put enough of their things on on pause and and uh, delayed some of their things that they had wanted to do uh, in order to get me a high school diploma that I wasn't going to put them on the hook for for college as well. So um, I went down and raised my right hand. Mm -hmm. What led me to the Army is three years of Army JROTC at this army uh army military academy okay Love just that. the idea of, of being a soldier being being part of uh you know this this amazing organization with with such a, an incredibly deep history and heritage um you know obviously in in high school they pay attention to you know the the, the pretty stuff about the army mm -hmm. um there wasn't a, a great deal of talk about war there wasn't a great deal of talk about you know some of the the pain and suffering that goes on they, but they what they did talk about was that that feeling of being a member of a team being yeah. part of something bigger than yourself and and being able to when the time comes and you've sort of earned your way being able to lead yes and so uh i was i was sold so um raised my right hand and uh uh enlisted in the army as a 46 romeo which back in the early 90s was a broadcast journalist okay so um, made it made it to broadcast journalism school, promptly got kicked out of broadcasting school and uh, and sent. Uh, <laughs> wow. OK. Yeah. You know, there's a real a, a constant theme in my life until pretty much when I got married. And that was that I was always on the razor's edge of either getting thrown out of someplace or, or getting in trouble for something just because I, you know, it was a, a, just a real. Uh, um, attitude that I had it wasn't a bad attitude. I was just kind of a wise guy and, and didn't take anything seriously in a business that is inherently serious. serious. <laughs> yeah. So um, uh, it was it was kind of funny. The drill sergeant uh, back then uh, wanted me to be chaptered, wanted me to go home. Okay. And I had to go stand tall in front of the man uh, uh, at the soldier support, uh, brigade, uh, soldier support brigade, I think was the name of it back in the day, Fort Benjamin Harrison, Indiana, which mm -hmm. isn't even around anymore. But, uh, um, uh, uh, 
the, the brigade commander said, I don't think you need to get, uh, I don't think you need to get put out. I think you just need to grow up. So wow. I'm going to help facilitate that for you. Wow. So back in the, back in the day when, uh, you got thrown out of a course, they would run your, your, your scores and it would generate a list of MOSs that you were qualified for. And, uh, then you would pick three of those MOSs and whichever one had the closest, uh, starting class date is the, is the job you would get. Okay. So the brigade commander said, you could pick any MOS you want in the army, as long as it starts with an 11. <laughs> infantry. As long as it starts with 11. As long as it starts with an That's 11. Great. So, so three weeks later, I was, uh, I was on the bus to Mother Benning's home for Wayward Boys. And uh, I did basic training and everything all over again, which was uh, a story unto itself. And uh, ended up with my first assignment in the army uh, as uh, an infantryman in the old guard uh, here in Washington. So, wow. yeah, interesting trip. Uh, you know, most people, you come in the army and between, you know, 13 and 20 weeks later, you're your first duty assignment and, and you're rocking and rolling. Yeah. I, I didn't get to my first duty assignment till I was in the army almost, uh, I want to say almost a year. No so kidding. It, it took a it took a long time. So the old guard. Are you talking about people that uh, are at Arlington Cemetery and walking mm-hmm. back and yep. forth? Yeah, yep. that was your I, first uh, assignment. My first my first uh, introduction to a permanent duty assignment was in a place where you either looked perfect or were perfect all the time. And so, as you can imagine, it was a bit of a challenge. <laughs> that's a far cry for a guy that's living on the razor's edge of getting kicked out from someplace. Well, I was pretty much on the razor's edge the entire time I was there, too. But I mean, you know, the funny part was I uh, there there were people that looked at me at, uh, at surface and then there were people that looked a little bit deeper. And one of the people that looked at me a little bit deeper was uh, my platoon leader who who kind of saw through some of the, the snarky uh, comments and and uh, irreverent attitude and and saw some qualities in me and and pushed me to apply to West Point. OK. Um, so through his hard work and, and, you know, really just kind of pushing me through and, uh, me going and taking all my standardized testing again and all of that stuff, I got accepted to, uh, the West Point prep school. Okay. So I lasted, I lasted eight months there. West Point Prep, that's not the same thing you were talking about the New York Military Academy. No, West Point Prep is the U.S. Military Academy Preparatory School. It used to be at Fort Monmouth, New Jersey, and uh, and now it's uh, it's co-located at the Academy. Okay. But it was a it was a year-long intensive math and English uh, prep course to make sure that, you know, you could you would be prepared to make it through this, you know, incredibly tough engineering school that is West Point. Wow. Um they make you take a test on the like the first day it's like a standardized test uh-huh. and i came out as advanced placement english and and what they called fundamental mathematics mm. uh and i believe the west pointers call it rock math <laughs> and and so you know starting the first day knowing exactly where my strengths were and exactly where my weaknesses were really didn't help me very much because uh yeah my self-awareness didn't, <laughs> didn't reach quite that far but uh, yeah, just from being a knucklehead and 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 not really mastering the whole anything beyond trigonometry, um, it was uh, it was recommended to me that I I uh, go back to uh, being a regular soldier, and and so I did that. Um, 
I, w- I did a year in Korea and then I went to uh, Fort Campbell where I got to be in the real infantry for the first time in uh, the 101st Airborne Division Air Assault. And, uh, and from there, I had the opportunity to reclassify uh, on reenlistment time back into broadcasting. And let me tell you what, I went back into broadcasting on fire hmm. because I was going to be the best, the best broadcaster uh that ever walked in a pair of jungle boots because i did not want to go back to the infantry <laughs> <laughs> so there's a couple things i want to touch on here a little bit so the new york military academy does that have any kind of relation to west point or does it just happen to be in the same vicinity yeah the, the only relationship is uh, geography it's on the other side of storm king mountain now over over you know its history because it's been around since uh 1889 there have been you know closer relationships with the academy uh and and sometimes they go a couple of years without doing anything together but um i believe that uh you know new york military academy is always strongest when it's got a good a good relationship with usma um but during the time that i was there um, I actually was the drum major for the band. Wow. I don't play an instrument, but the uh, uh, as the drum major, I got personal one-on-one instruction from the drum major of the Usma band. Wow, which that's something. Anyone who knows anything about uh, the Usma band, it's a it's like a nominative special position. Um, the guy, <laughs> it's kind of funny. The guy that showed taught me how to be a drum major. When he retired from the army, he was a sergeant major. When he retired from the uh, from the army out of West Point, I believe he went to go be in the Disney World band in Orlando. Wow! Like, like most of these guys have masters, if not doctorates, in music and performance music. So, um, but that's just a small, you know, just a small piece of of the involvement that that the uh, New York Military Academy in West Point had had over over you know, several decades. Okay. So talking about several decades, so you laid out a few different places that you had been in your career. 28 years. Why 28 years in uniform? That's a long time to wear the country's cloth. Well, I, I said uh, from the point where I was a very young man, one uh, was that I was going to stay till it wasn't fun anymore. Okay. And I think everyone who wears our nation's cloth has a point in time where they're like, that's enough. It's time. Yeah. <laughs> I and so uh, what they don't tell you is that you've got a whole year between maybe that point where you say I'm done and then your actual retirement date. Mm-hmm. So for me, that that last year was was an opportunity to really kind of soul search a little bit and look at what I what I had accomplished, um, the, the lives that I, I was able to touch um, and, and how I, you know, personally was the product of so many uh, mass, master craftsmen and 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 women that 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 uh, spent time forming me, yeah. uh, teaching me the valuable lessons to to be a leader, both through good examples and bad examples, and um, and and it, you know I was able to hang it up uh, at the end of last year with with a smile on my face and and happy and and proud of of of. Uh, where I had served and and the people I had served and and the places where I had been. And for clarity, when you hung it up, what grade were you? Uh, Sergeant Major. Sergeant Major. That's went, pretty went impressive. To di- went, to, went to distance. <laughs> <laughs> and so out of that whole time growing up to be a Sergeant Major in our Army, what nugget, if any, did you take away from our Army about what it means to be a servant leader, to really genuinely care for other people? Wow, that's a, that's a deep one. Um, for me, uh, servant leadership is 
it isn't just you know some of the catchphrases you know oh leaders eat last mm-hmm. servant leadership is is about uh putting other people's needs and wants a lot of times before your own that's right um you know like any senior non-commissioned officer um i've had my fair share of phone calls in the in the wee hours of the morning yep whether it be from law enforcement to come get a uh, a, a young young man or young woman who'd made a, a poor decision or or from a soldier or an, uh, another leader who was just in a bad in a bad place and so um putting other people's needs before your own means getting out of bed shaking it off and and, and getting sound enough mind to be able to um absorb understand and and perhaps help with whatever situation you're being presented with so you mentioned that a lot of people have poured into your life and you mentioned the drum major and uh, that you know has gone on and done other great things and you had a chance to be mentored by that person what opportunities have you had during your career and especially going all the way up to sergeant major to give back a little bit to maybe mentor somebody else and teach them what you've learned about being a servant leader well i i spent a lot of time um and, and I'll be honest with you, I didn't really get this whole concept of servant leadership or really even real leadership until fairly relatively late in my career. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I talked about like coming back into broadcasting on fire. Yeah. Um, I, I was I was trying to make up lost time uh, when I first came in. So I spent a lot of time, you know, throwing elbows and throwing uh, uh, throwing Heisman blocks on people to get, you know, quote unquote, a story right. uh, or an opportunity um, instead of them, because I wanted all, we call it wood for the wall. You know, I wanted all the plaques, sure. the PFL wear, yeah. prizes, Department of Defense, whatever of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, frankly, in a, a very small field, developed a, a, a reputation for kind of being out for self um, and not unearned. Uh, you know, I, I acknowledged many years later that, that, I was not, I didn't have my, my responsibilities as a leader framed properly. Mm-hmm. Um, but guess what? The army and God will always throw something in your way Amen to, that. to remind you what, what you need to be doing. Yep. And, and my reminder was that uh, in 2004, I was the army broadcast journalist of the year. Wow. All of that elbow throwing and, uh, and, you know, out for self got me. I guess got me something and then and then right after that i got orders to be a basic training drill sergeant at fort benning georgia that's a big shift so i went from uh literally the first week of may 2005 which is when the uh the award ceremony was from getting uh you know a medal from the secretary of the army and the sma and the chief of public affairs to three weeks later getting a shark attacked at drill sergeant school at fort benning georgia And and if there's anything that will like, like really level out your ego, it's that it's, it's, it's something like that. Wow. Well, Mike, I'm loving this conversation. We're going to take just a quick break for a commercial, but when we come back from the break, I'm going to continue this great conversation with Mr. Mike Levine. So stay with us. We'll be right back.
If you're interested in connecting with Dr. Paul McCullough or interested in being featured on the show, contact Jacob Media Partners via LinkedIn. Now, back to Serving Our Nation. And welcome back to Serving Our Nation. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Paul McCullough, and I'm joined here today by Mr. Mike Levine. Mike, we were just talking a few minutes ago about your military experience and some of the really great nuggets that you had within that experience. And you were talking about your opportunity to be in journalism. And you said that when you transitioned to that, you were on fire, absolutely on fire. So I wonder during that time when you were on fire and getting to do all this stuff in broadcast journalism, what would you say has been the greatest blessings that you have gotten through that opportunity? Maybe it was even your time as a drill sergeant, but you served quite a long time in the military, made it all the way up to being a sergeant major. What is the greatest blessing that God gave you through that whole experience? Well, through that whole experience, through my whole career has definitely been my wife and, and two children. All right. You know, fit, uh, the, the the trappings of a, of a career, the, the little ribbons they let you wear in your uniform, all of that is finite. Uh, you get, you know, the, the regulation says you get 30 years or, or maybe a little bit extra because you're a general officer mm-hmm. or a senior command sergeant major. But but the period that you get to serve is limited. Yes. Um, the family lasts forever if you do it right. And um, um, I, I was lucky enough to, to marry uh, a wonderful woman who put my, my needs and my children's needs before her own um, and, uh, and really was a, a grounding uh, uh, force for me. So all, all of the, you know, we talked about earlier about my, my, I was all over the place, you know, always on the razor's edge of getting kicked out of somewhere. It wasn't until uh, we married that she said, listen, if this is what you're going to do, you should probably get serious about it. You know, I, and, and I took that to heart. <laughs> I love that. So one, I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate the response of your wife and kids being the greatest blessing because I have met so many officers and enlisted NCOs through my career and they sacrifice so much, especially their family, because they want to chase that next rank, right? They want to move up, they want to get the next position. And so they say to themselves, oh, well, if I do this assignment, if I do this deployment, if I do this, if I do that, then I'll get picked up for this or for that, da-da-da-da-da. And the army, even in its song, says the army goes rolling along, right? So at the end of the day, just like you said, they're gonna pin a medal in your chest, shake your hand, say thank you for playing, and have a nice day. But if you don't have your wife and kids there with you, for what? What was the point? So you could have a star in your collar for what? So you just you just basically gave the speech that a a nominative command sergeant major gave my sergeant major academy class back in 2016. And and he made a very uh, firm point about the, 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 the concept of chasing. Mm-hmm. Because you can get to be hell, you could get to be the sergeant major of the army. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have somebody with you, what's what, for what? What's it all yeah, for? What's the point? You know? Yeah, I, I, I definitely, um, particularly after hearing him say that, that that really made me more cognizant of um, my my career choices and and. Uh, what I wanted to do with the rest of my life after the army, mm-hmm. because it wasn't just about me anymore. Yeah. Um, it needed to be about everybody and everyone's choice. Now, as a sergeant major, um, and anyone who's been a sergeant major who's listening will know uh, that is the least impact. You, you have the least impact on your 
on your career in terms of where you go right. when you're a sergeant major. That's right. Um, and and the rule is, hey, when 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 you feel like your personal wants or needs or the needs of your family do not align with where or what the army needs you to do. Have a nice day. It's time for you to go. It, it's time to go. And so, um, you know, that was a conversation that that uh, I had with my family back in 2015 or 2016 when I when I first was you know, uh, announced as a, as an Academy select, it's like, guys, we're getting ready to get on the roller coaster. Mm-hmm. And, and if it moves too fast or goes upside down and you don't like that, I need to know. So yeah. I know when to, when to throw the papers in. You know, I, I love the heart behind that statement, Mike, because I served for 20 years, two months and two weeks. And the primary reason that I got out was because of my family, right? Like we had moved around nine times in the span of 20 years and that was getting to be really taxing on my wife not only the setup and breakdown of a house time after time after time but also she had to quit her job and go find a new job every two to three years and that is a big ask and on top of that my son was getting ready to enter high school at the same time that i was up for the next pcs and i knew full well that if i wanted to pursue full colonel it meant five more years in the army and three more moves which meant he would have to change high schools every single year and i was like you know what i'm done this is my, not worth the sacrifice the family my, my son my son is a senior this year it is his third high school yeah and 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 the only reason it probably there probably wasn't a fourth was i made the decision to retire yeah. it, it's just it, it it can be really tough on families but uh one thing that i have seen is that it certainly whether they want it or not, uh, family members certainly get the opportunity to develop some resiliency skills. Yes. <laughs> some coping mechanisms. Yes, that is true. Um, and, you know, I, my daughter is now in her second year of college. And, and when she when she went out the door, um, she was good. Yeah. You know, she was she was she was set because she has been kind of used to this, um, you know, kind of mobile dynamic life Mm -hmm. um she didn't live in the same town and then for 12 years and then bam she's she's uh off at college this is almost just like another pcs for her um god bless her for it (laughs) (laughs) you know and i i think the same is true of your son so you know he and i had an opportunity to talk yesterday about different topics and there was a lot of character that i heard coming from your son not just in his skills and you know his willingness to be able to do different things but just the heart behind what it is that he wants to do and why he wants to do it and his willingness to get in there and get his hands dirty and serve that there's a lot of really good character coming from him and clearly you have a lot to do with that as his father well, I, I will I will lay most of that at the feet of his mother. <laughs> I, I don't I don't mind taking the credit, but you know that that's that's definitely Linda's uh, that's definitely Linda's doing. No no doubt about it. Well, and it's also great. I loved your comment before when you said that you know your wife said to you in the beginning of your broadcast journalism career, if you're going to do this, Mike, like let's get serious and let's get after it, right? And throughout the course of my 20 years, th- there's been a number of times my wife had a quote unquote, come to Jesus conversation with me. Like, dude, what are you doing? You know, make a decision of what you want to do because you're dragging us all around the country. Like, what is it that you want to do with your life? And then I can get behind it, but let's make a plan. Yeah. Um, Again, uh, for as many years as I've been working in in, uh, planning strategy, communication strategy, but really long-term 
two, three, five year type plans. My wife has me beat because she always has one eye on on the long term. Yep. Um, and and I, I'm so grateful for the fact that that uh, there are some times where I've come home with a bright idea that sounds perfect to me, but when she lays it out in the context of that of mm-hmm. that long term plan, it 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 lets me understand how off the mark I am yeah. on occasion. Yeah. Why is it good for that? <laughs> Absolutely. So, so listen, I also wanted to ask you. In all this time that you had been doing broadcast journalism, what's the most exciting story that you've covered? And, you know, how were you able to kind of weave your perspective on servant leadership into that? So, um, honestly, in the in the day to day broadcast journalism, which, I, you know, again, I think the last time I was a, a, a real content creator was probably 2000, 2005. Okay been a long time but during that period where i was really in it uh servant leadership was not in my lexicon Mm -hmm. so in terms of exciting i I got to cover uh i got to to broadcast live on super bowl 36 wow um back in 2002 live from kandahar airfield uh and it was only supposed to be the pregame show but uh, I, I guess I, I, I was a little glib and articulate on the mic or whatever. And, and so they ended up pulling me back at the end of every quarter uh, to, to, to just, you know, walk around as, as sort of the man on the street and hold the microphone up for, for soldiers. Uh, the, the 101st Airborne was, was there in Kandahar. It's a great time. That's and cool. it was, I mean, after years and years of, of deployments and, you know, having been either around getting shot at or physically getting shot at i've never been more scared in my life than being on live television on the super bowl (laughs) so would you say that that's the hardest (laughs) thing you've had to do in your career was that moment of being live for the super bowl being the oh no no the hardest the hardest thing that you know especially long term as a as a as a communicator for the army whether it's for you know um two-star, three-star, four-star unit, or actually at headquarters department of the army is always, is always been, um, any of the, uh, communicating on the army's behalf when the army is at fault for something, mm. it's always difficult, um, to, uh, not be able to bring your personal feelings in. And, and if you see something really bad, say, man, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Because you're, you're not, you know, right. you're speaking on behalf of the army. If the army's not saying, I'm sorry, then you then can't say I'm neither, sorry. Neither are you. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, really uh, working with teams of people covering, uh, you know, ramp ceremonies and memorial ceremonies forward when, when, when you're deployed. Um, just, just, you know, having the responsibility of capturing this imagery because the families want it mm-hmm. while at the same time not being obtrusive or being a distraction for those close friends and comrades that are in deep deep mourning yeah. for those that are lost um that that's probably the hardest and, and trickiest thing that that i've had to navigate um but you know, honestly, I, I look back at all of that now, sort of in the in the long term review, and I realize that um, going through um, going through times like that in places like that helped me really uh, gain a better sense of empathy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not just having one eye on on what the families are going to want to see but also trying to think about the men and women that are in front of you yeah and just really feeling that 
um, that that sense of loss, uh, but in a way where it doesn't interfere with your ability to get done what you have to get done. Yeah, that that's 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 very difficult. So let's look at this from the other side of the coin. Was there a time that maybe some during your career, a drill sergeant comes, whatever, they would just look at the situation and say to yourself, "Man, I can't believe that I get to be here." and do this like this is a moment that's going to live in my heart my entire life i can't believe i'm doing this so uh today's the 18th of march that we're we're, do, we're doing this mm-hmm. um 2022 uh eight years ago today i was in the oval office of the white house wow with president obama and the current uh sergeant major of the army uh tony grinston uh, he was at the time the command sergeant major of the first infantry division, and I was the public affairs NCO for uh, NCOIC for the first uh, ID. And we were in Washington D.C. to accept the Medal of Honor on behalf of the family of this fallen member who had been a Big Red One uh, soldier during Vietnam. Wow! And as I was standing, I think it's the Roosevelt Room that's mm-hmm. right off of right off of the Oval. As I was standing there looking at uh, the Medal of Honor that's hung on the wall, and then all of the the service colors, and everyone's there in their in their dress uniforms, I was like, "How did I end up here?" Yeah, you know, the screw up kid from upstate New York, um, who who could barely stay out of his own way in his first couple of years in the Army. And, and I'm getting ready to meet the president of the United States. And I'm here because this, this command sergeant major trusts my communications council enough to bring me to this. That is so special. It was a big deal. It, it was really a, is. And it still is. It still is. Um, but uh, there, there's a lot of times in this career field where you could be um, out in the field in a, uh, you know, live fire exercise um, and then <clears throat> you go home that night, clean up, you know, fix your fix your gear, and the next morning you're doing a sit down interview with one of our army senior leaders. Yeah. It's just how you can go from one 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 extreme to the other, you know, in the snap of a finger, um, is one of the things that that really just kept kept its hooks in me and kept me in this field for so many years. And and the people, the people are creative, they're they're amazing, they're smart. They are, they're fit. They are incredible soldiers. And uh, uh, it was really a, just a, a privilege to, to, to be in a place where I could grow, coach, or mentor any of them to get, to get better. It that just, is it wonderful. Really was a privilege. So Mike, last question. We got about a minute left. You know, you talked several times about being this guy that's on the razor's edge of, you know, getting kicked out and kind of a screw up earlier in your life, this and that. What would you say to somebody that maybe feels like they're in the same situation? They're a young kid. They're trying to figure out their way, trying to figure out who they want to be when they grow up, so to speak. They've made some mistakes, but they, they really feel like they have something that they're called to do. God has given them some purpose and direction in their life, but they're not sure how to take that first step and they just keep making mistakes. What would you say to them to help get them started? It's going to be okay. Yeah. I mean, that simple phrase, it's good. It's going to be okay. Um, you know, in the army, the, the joke is someone who gets in trouble, you know, they're, they're kind of the attention magnet. There's yeah. another word there, but <laughs> attention magnet. Yeah. Uh, since this is radio, uh, the, 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 the ir- irrefutable law of attention magnet is that someone else is always going to draw the attention. Mm-hmm. 
you're not always going to be in trouble. You're not always going to have the eyes of the world upon you. And when, and when the heat comes off, that's the time to focus on your goals. That's the time to look for the mentors and the coaches that can help you get where you want to get. Uh, collect mentors like baseball cards. There's, there, you know, there's a position on uh, every position on the field. Collect a card for them, um, and 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 just just keep pushing because it's going to be okay. And one day you'll find yourself in the Oval Office with the President of the United States. That's <laughs> or, awesome, or whatever Mike. or whatever that version of success looks like for you. Amen. But yes, you're exactly right. Mike, I want to thank you so very much for being a guest in the program today. The time goes so quickly when I'm with special guests like you, and I have learned so much more about you as a person and your career than I ever knew. And I really just appreciate your story and the heart behind it. No, thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it, Paul. All right. When we come back from the break, I'm going to reflect on the lessons of servant leadership that we've heard from today's guest. So stay with us. We'll be right back. listening to Serving Our Nation with Dr. Paul McCullough, a Jacob Media Production. And welcome back to Serving Our Nation. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Paul McCullough. And as we close out today's show, let's think about what we've heard from our special guest today, Mr. Mike Levine. A few really powerful nuggets came out of this conversation. I want to highlight some of the things that Mike said. In the beginning of the conversation, Mike was talking about how he was involved with music and there was a drummer from West Point that spent some time pouring into him while he was at the New York Military Academy. And Mike also had mentioned that he was on, by his words, the razor's edge of always getting in trouble or kicked out of something. But what's really important is that that individual that helped him with the drums and he said several other people really took the time to invest in him to pour into him and help him to grow as a leader. And I wonder, what can we do as individuals? What can we do to see some qualities in somebody and invest in them? Even when other people say, oh, you know, you don't want this particular guy. He's this, he's that, you know, he's the other thing. Can we see past that and look at what the good is, the gifts are that God has put into this individual. Mike had mentioned that there was a platoon leader that took a deeper look at him and told him that he really needed to get his act together and he was gonna send him to the infantry. That he had this opportunity to really get his act together and have an, another shot at the army and at life. And then even from there, Mike had an opportunity to go into broadcasting where he said he was on fire. But all of that was because people were pouring into him. Then we can look at this from another way. Mike mentioned several times how important his family is to him. He mentioned his wife, his daughter, and we talked about his son a little bit. And what I think is really special is that he said that his family was the greatest blessing that he got throughout his military career. Just the simple fact that his family was there with him at the end of his journey when he hung up his uniform for the last time as a sergeant major in the army. The greatest blessing is that his family was there still by his side and that they were proud 
of what he was doing. So I wonder if we can say the same thing in our lives. Are we truly taking the time to be a servant leader to the family? Are you truly taking the time to be there with your wife, with your kids, with your spouse? That you're taking the time to not always put your career first, but making the time to be there when your kids need you for an activity, to pick them up, take them to the doctor, to be at your kids' music, whatever it is. Are you putting your family first or are you chasing some shiny piece of metal, as Mike talked about? I think that's really important for us today. And something else that he shared with me um, off of the session here today, Mike had mentioned to me that when he was a drill sergeant, he did talk about being a drill sergeant while we are on the program, uh, but offwards, he said, well, his time as a drill sergeant was really instrumental for him because that is when he really woke up as to what it means to pay it forward, to really put others first. He mentioned that you know, he won the, a year, excuse me, the award for broadcasting in 2004, the Army Broadcast Journalism uh, of the Year, and that's great. But it was after that when he became a drill sergeant where he really learned this idea of putting other people first. So my challenge to you today, what are you doing? What can each of us do to put other people first, to pay it forward, to see that somebody else has opened the door for you, somebody else has believed in you. And now maybe you've advanced a little bit, maybe you've gotten some kudos for something, you've gotten an award, you've been promoted, you're in a position of authority. What is it that each one of us can do now where we're at in time and space to pay it forward for somebody else, to open a door for somebody else. I think that's a great challenge for us to think about this week. And the last thing that I think was really special about what Mike said, for anybody that might be listening today and you wonder, well, no, that doesn't apply to me. You don't understand. You don't know what I've done. You don't know how many mistakes I've made. Let me tell you, as a minister, I hear that statement way, way too often. There's guilt, there's shame, there's regret, there's remorse. Listen, I'm not saying that you should go down the same path of, you know, the path of destruction that you were on. I'm saying that there is forgiveness. I'm saying that there is a better way. And like Mike said, it's going to be okay. So I would say to you, pick yourself up, dust yourself off, maybe even say a prayer. I would always encourage you to say a prayer and ask for forgiveness. Because like Mike said, it's going to be okay. All right. Moving on, each week I talk to you about the good that comes back to you when you put good into the universe. And every day I look at my Facebook profile and I'm very interested to see whose birthday it is on any given day. Because in my opinion, it's a great way of staying in touch with people that you might not normally see all the time. Maybe people that you are friends with and you know, a different time in your life, people you went to school with, whatever. Facebook is great for connecting people. But what I think is really special is just to send a short little note to people on their birthday. Hey, happy birthday. And put some little emojis with it and just let them know. I hope you have a wonderful and blessed day. Let me tell you, that really speaks words of life to my heart. And I love when people wish me a happy birthday. And so I want to do the same thing. Like Mike said, pay it forward for other people and wish them a happy birthday when it's their special day. And so I've been making a practice of this for months, if not years, probably closer to years of really just being diligent about wishing people a happy birthday on their special day whenever Facebook reminds me that, hey, it's this person's birthday, whatever. And so today, 
um, is a really special day for me because it happened to be my mom's birthday. And so because I have a habit of reaching out and wishing people a happy birthday on their special day, so many people reached out and wished my mom a happy birthday on her day when I just made a simple post about it on Facebook and asked people to join me in wishing her a happy birthday. So my point to you, just like Mike said, pay it forward. Do something good for somebody else when you can. Open the door for somebody else when you can. Give somebody else an opportunity. See the good that's in somebody because you never know whether that is going to come back to you. Listen, next week, so excited about my next guest coming on the show. Her name is Miss T. Ann Brown, and she currently serves as the Vice President of Outreach Ministries at Guidepost. Now, for those of you who don't know, Guidepost is a great little booklet, and I remember growing up and Guidepost was something that my family very much liked to read, and it was always um, something that would sit in the bathroom um, for good reading, or it'd sit in the living room by the uh, couch there so you can take a read in it when you're just sitting down relaxing, having a cup of coffee. And next week, I've got the great opportunity of having T.M. Brown, um, who works at Guidepost. She's going to be on the show. She's got an incredible story. So you want to tune in next week to hear all about her and her ministry there. Finally, as you go about your week, no matter where you're at, always ask, how can I help? Thanks for listening and join us again next Walking week. Walking around these walls I thought by now they'd fall But you have never felt me yet Waiting for change to come Knowing the battle's won For you have never felt me yet Your promise still stands Great is your faithfulness Your faithfulness